It's the end of October 2020, and the COVID-19 pandemic is surging around the United States, Europe, and much of the rest of the world. Let's dig into some of the latest updates here on this special coronavirus bonus episode of The Nurse Keith Show. Hey there, and welcome to The Nurse Keith Show. I'm privileged to use this platform to educate and inform you so that you can take any information you find useful and share it with others. I'm now publishing these special COVID-19 updates at the end of each month. These episodes are always free of corporate sponsorship. Please share far and wide if you feel they are valuable. And remember the show notes for this episode with links to all my resources will be at nursekeith.com forward slash COVID-19-17. Remember that all information in these episodes about the pandemic reference the most up-to-date information I've accessed recently, as well as my personal opinions, and if I have any guests. The situation is, of course, changing by the second, so anything I share here could be out of date or updated or otherwise contradicted by the ongoing collection of evidence-based information by the time this goes to press. And please remember that anything I share here is not meant to be intended for diagnosis or treatment. So consult a healthcare provider, any evidence-based resource you trust, including the CDC, the WHO, or your local Department of Health. And if I've shared anything here or anywhere else that you think is erroneous about the pandemic, email me at keith at nursekeith.com with some evidence or data so that I can post a public correction. Thanks for understanding stay safe, and keep informed. So boy, we have a lot to talk about here on this episode, my 17th COVID-19 update. For those who thought the virus would be long gone by the time the holidays at the end of 2020 rolled around, think again. On Friday, October 23rd, 2020, oh my gosh, We saw 85,000 new cases of the virus reported across the United States in that one day. This actually shattered an earlier single-day record for the entire pandemic and is obviously brewing up fears about the months ahead, especially as we head into the colder winter months here in the Northern Hemisphere. The U.S. is actually in the middle of one of its most severe surges of the coronavirus to date, and there were more new cases reported across the country on Friday the 23rd than ever before in a single day, like I said, and I'll have a link to a New York Times article that will give you that data. And remember, New York Times coronavirus information is free for anyone who has access to the internet at nytimes.com forward slash coronavirus. So as of this recording, over 41,000 people are currently hospitalized in the U.S. with the coronavirus. That's a 40% rise in this past month. And cooler weather is pushing people indoors. So a lot of us are very worried. At least 14 states saw more people hospitalized for the virus on a day in the past week than on any other day in the pandemic, according to the New York Times COVID tracking project, and seven more states are nearing their pandemic peak. We've actually seen more people hospitalized at earlier points, like 
when New York City was really blowing up back in April and when the Sun Belt down south was blowing up in July. But these rising numbers, this is a really precipitous rise. And it has a lot of us worried, especially about those smaller rural hospitals out in different parts of the country where they don't have the capacity to treat so many people. And don't be misled, a lot of cases are erupting in rural areas. It's reached every corner of one particular nursing home in Kansas with all 62 residents inside being infected. And in North Dakota, there are so many sick people who have the virus and so few hospital beds, we are talking about rural healthcare here, some are being driven hundreds of miles away in order to receive the treatment that they need. And in Ohio, more people are hospitalized now than at any other time during the pandemic. So basically, from what I can tell, this is being seen as a third surge of the coronavirus. We had the spring, then we had the surge in you know July-ish, and now we're having this surge in the fall. We're averaging 59,000 new cases a day, the most since the beginning of August, and we're going to keep setting records if things don't turn around. But if we look at earlier surges that had these kind of concentrated outbreaks. We're now seeing it in places like Colorado, Illinois, Kentucky, Michigan, Montana, my state of New Mexico, North Dakota, Ohio, Utah, South Dakota, Wisconsin, Wyoming. They've all set seven-day case records recently. And even New Jersey, where things were going very well, the state of my birth, they are also seeing vast rises in cases. Here in the U.S., we are now over 8 million known cases as of this past week. And with the rate of infections happening in so many states, we are in some trouble, folks. And across the pond in Europe, Britain is now imposing new restrictions France has placed a bunch of its cities on what they call maximum alert, and bars, gyms, and sports centers are being closed. Germany and Italy have set records recently. Remember Italy, how hard hit they were over there? They're being hit again. And in the Czech Republic, they're talking about their health system actually collapsing soon because they're overwhelmed and there's more deaths occurring there than at any time in the pandemic. We've had these two surges and now we're in this third surge and I am really concerned and the World Health Organization is concerned and the WHO is now saying that they feel about half the population of the world is experiencing pandemic fatigue. And I have to say, myself and my loved ones and people I know, friends, etc., we're all fatigued. We're all tired of social distancing. We're all tired of what we've been going through all these months. And yeah, we let our guard down sometimes. I've done the same myself, I have to admit. And we all have to buckle up for the coming winter. 
Now, I was reading an article in the journal Science that was published just the other day, and I'll have a link in the show notes. It's a preprint of research, meaning that it hasn't been fully peer-reviewed yet. So when it's a preprint, the press, the media shouldn't really run with the story because it's a preprint. It hasn't been reviewed to the extent and the rigor that it should be, but this is what's been happening as things get rushed to press these days during the pandemic. And there are some newly discovered gene variants, and this is good news, that could be key to figuring out why COVID is hitting certain groups so hard, like men, for instance, are hit harder than women in general. Now, there's a study in the United Kingdom with more than 2,200 COVID-19 patients. And they're looking at gene variants that are linked to pretty much what they're saying the most severe cases and that there are existing drugs that could be repurposed. And there are plenty of organizations out there doing research, looking at every possible drug they can find to be able to find drugs that will work, that don't have to be FDA approved all over again because they've already been approved and it's much a much quicker approval process. So in June, in the New England Journal of Medicine, there were two what they're calling hits linked to respiratory failure in, let's see, 1,600 Italian and Spanish COVID-19 patients. It's a marker in the ABO gene. And the ABO gene is apparently the gene that determines your blood type. And there's a stretch of chromosome three that also holds about a half dozen genes that they're looking at. And these links have emerged in other data as well. So they're in the midst of being confirmed. So this United Kingdom gene study didn't confirm that these ABO, the blood type gene variants, affect the odds of severe disease, but they are looking directly at blood type in some studies. And they have reported, and some of us were looking at this several months ago thinking, is this really true? That type O blood protects against COVID, whereas type A makes a person more vulnerable. I myself am O positive. I'm very grateful for that. And if this really bears out, then that's good news for those who are type O. For those who are type A, I guess extra care is even more important, but we all still have to be careful. Now, it may be that blood type influences whether we get infected, but it doesn't necessarily impact how sick we actually get. So that data is actually not in either. So let's not jump to conclusions, but blood type does actually have some impact here. Now, there's also a mutation that they found. It's a variant of a gene that usually disables codes for the process related to interferon. Now, interferons are endogenous substances that are pretty vital to your immune response. And another mutation might interfere with an enzyme that usually keeps viruses at bay by breaking down viruses' RNA. So these gene researchers are digging pretty deep, and there's some really fascinating science being done. And of course, they're trying to do it as quickly as possible because time is of the essence for us here. 
Now, remember I said a few minutes ago that men are generally, generally hit harder by COVID than women. Geneticists still aren't finding anything specific genetically that tells us why black people in the U.S. and in Great Britain are hit particularly hard. That information is still to come. No one can really explain it yet at this point in terms of genes. Now, just last week, the journal Science reported that the drug interferon, not the endogenous interferon that I just mentioned a moment ago, but the drug interferon and remdesivir have, quote unquote, fallen flat in a WHO mega study, a WHO mega study named the Solidarity Trial. And I'll have a link to that article in Science in the show notes. But then, Right after the WHO mega study comes out saying that remdesivir and interferon have fallen flat, the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, approves remdesivir for the treatment of COVID. But at the same time, a study by the National Institutes of Health shows that remdesivir was at best, quote unquote, only moderately effective in reducing the suffering of and death of those who took it. So, Let's talk about remdesivir for a little bit. I just learned what I could for the purposes of this episode, and I'm just going to kind of blurt this out for you. So Gilead Sciences developed remdesivir. It was marketed under the name Veclury, V-E-K-L-U-R-Y. And you may recall that back in May, many months ago, it received EUA, Emergency Use Authorization from the FDA, which allowed it to be used to treat patients with very severe COVID infection. In August, the FDA relaxed those guidelines to let it be used in less serious cases, and that's one reason why Donald Trump also received that as part of his treatment earlier this month. Now, they found that remdesivir is effective usually pretty early for hospitalized patients with pretty severe illness, and it does help beat back the illness to a certain extent. It helps interfere with how SARS-CoV-2, the actual name of the virus that causes the COVID-19 illness, makes copies of itself. So that's really interesting. And however, this full FDA approval is making remdesivir basically what I'm reading here, the standard of care for hospitalized patients. And there's concern among the scientific community that this is then going to tamp down and undermine other efforts to develop better COVID-19 therapies. You know, doctors and nurse practitioners and healthcare providers, everyone is desperate. Everybody wants an effective treatment. And of course, the FDA approving remdesivir gives them yet another option. But if the scientific community is pushing back and saying that the WHO solidarity study and the NIH study both find that remdesivir is only moderately effective at best in the beginning of the course of the disease, there are definitely some worries out there and the FDA has been taken to task before in terms of developing or in terms of approving 
therapies before they've been fully proven, especially when there's contradictory evidence out there. So that's what I've gleaned so far from the science at this point this week. And that seems to be some of the biggest news in terms of scientific developments during the month of October. I'm sure I missed some stuff. This is what came to my attention and got my eyeballs glued to it. So I will have links to articles from Science, Vox.com, New York Times, and other sources in the show notes for you to check out yourself. Now, switching gears, enough about being down deep in the weeds of the science. Like I said earlier, Europe's blowing up. The U.S. and other nations around the world are blowing up. And I want to ask this question. In the midst of what's happening now, with the coming winter months upon us, how are you doing? How are your loved ones doing? I actually really want to know. I want you to email me at Keith at nursekeith.com. This is not for publication. This is not for anything. I just want to know how you're doing. You know, I don't want you to share personal information that you're not comfortable sharing with me, but just think about it. How are your finances? How's access to healthcare for you and also for your loved ones? There are plenty of healthcare providers out there who don't have good health insurance or any at all. Are you and the people you know or the people in your neighborhood and community, are you able to afford what you need? Are you able to afford rent? Are you able to afford food? Are you able to pay your bills? Did your spouse lose their job and you're supporting the entire family? What's happening in your workplace? Nurses are still coming forward with reports of shortages of PPE. And, you know, we're, we're months into this, folks. Hospitals around the country are overwhelmed again, and things are catching fire again. This is the third surge. And how are you doing in all this? How are you coping? And if you're working on a unit that treats COVID patients, what do you think you're going to do? Are you going to be able to stick this out? And I really need to ask you this question. I've asked several people I know. Do you need to change horses and get out of there and let someone else take your place? Because you have to think about the toll this pandemic is having on you and your family. And sure, you may be called to contribute to society, but you also need to contribute to your own well-being, to your own sanity, to your health, and to the well-being, sanity, and health of your family and your loved ones. And you may have survivor's guilt if you leave the ICU, but I want to know if you feel that you actually do need to jump ship. And if you do, there's no shame in that, my friends. There's no shame. There's no blame. And if anyone shames or blames you, that's on them. Or conversely, like me, are you not working on the front lines or are you not working as a clinician at all like me? And are you experiencing survivor's guilt or imposter syndrome because you're not on the front lines, because you're not out there, you know, beating back the fires. But remember, we all have our contribution to make and it can't all be the same. And we can't all be in the ICU or the ER. We all have our places to be. We might be Nurse practitioners in primary care, making sure people stay healthy and on top of their health maintenance during the course of this pandemic. We might work in ambulatory surgery. 
We may be helping people get their needed colonoscopies or getting their steroidal injections in their spine for chronic pain, or we might be working with people with substance use disorders. It's all important, whether you're in a minute clinic, whether you're in a walk-in employee wellness center at a big corporation, whether you're in a COVID-19 ICU or you're a school nurse, whatever, it's all important. It's all important. So remember, if you've burnt yourself to a crisp on the front lines, don't shame and blame yourself. Take your life raft and go elsewhere or take a break because you can't keep going at this pace because you need to take care of yourself. And a recent study shows that there's been a 14% increase in the frequency of alcohol use during the pandemic. And for women, overall, it's a 17% increase in particular. And I'll have a link to that article at medicinenet.com. If you're leaning on alcohol, if you're leaning on whatever it happens to be, gambling, pornography, sex addiction, Netflix, that's not so bad. Whatever it happens to be, whatever you're leaning on, make sure you're leaning on healthy things. Make sure you're leaning on things that are really good for you. And if you need help, reach out for help to your employee assistance program. Reach out to me. Reach out to a faith leader, your manager, your mentor, your friend, your father, your brother, your sister, your adult child who's who's really smart and supportive. Reach out to a colleague. Make sure you're getting the help you need. And like you'll hear about on an upcoming episode with my friend Tiffany Swedeen at recoverandrise.com, Tiffany is a certified facilitator with She Recovers. SheRecovers.com, it's an international organization. It's a community that helps women in recovery from anything at all. It doesn't have to be an addiction. It could be you're recovering from working in a COVID-19 unit. So SheRecovers.com is a great place for women to go for support. If you need support, it's a very welcoming, open community. Make sure you check them out at SheRecovers.com. So as we move into the winter, make a plan. How are you going to care for yourself? How are you going to care for others? How are you going to get some breaks? How are you going to make sure you celebrate the holidays in pandemic style safely, but that so everyone can still enjoy themselves and kick back a little bit? If you have elderly parents, how are they doing? What's your plan for the winter? What about an elderly neighbor across the street? And really, what strategies do you need to survive this first pandemic winter and hopefully our last pandemic winter for a very, very long time. Hopefully this will all be calmed down by next winter, hopefully by the summer, hopefully by the spring, and we can all get back to some semblance of a new normal. We're all worried about how long this is going to drag on. We're worried about our mental health, our spiritual health, we're worried about the people we love and the people we work with. We're worried about our communities, our countries, the world at large. So I am worried about you. Yes, you. So please take care of yourself and reach out if you need support. Reach out if you need resources. Reach out if you're feeling like you're at your wit's end. Do 
what you need to do to make sure you take care of yourself. And if you or anyone you know is feeling suicidal, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. 1-800-273-8255. That's the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. It's available in several languages, so make sure you find that in, you you put that information somewhere important and make sure you reach out to those who are having a hard time and get them the help that they need. So there you have it. Thanks for listening to this October edition of the Nurse Keith Show COVID-19 bonus episode series. We'll be bringing these for you towards the end of each month. And remember, the show notes will be at nursekeith.com forward slash COVID-19-17. The Nurse Keith Show is a member of Ars Longa Media, a collaborative network of podcasts and media entities that seeks to add a humanistic touch to professional education, to educate the public from a scientifically informed perspective and improve lives by partnering to address social ills. Find us at ARSLONGA. Dot media that's ours longa dot media the nurse keith show is also a proud member of the health podcast network along with new england journal of medicine podcast the journal of the american medical association podcast dr sanjay gupta and his cnn coronavirus fact versus fiction podcast and many many others it's the largest and fastest growing collection of authoritative high quality podcasts taking on the tough topics in health and care with empathy expertise and a commitment to excellence. The Nurse Keith Show is adroitly produced by Rob Johnston of 520R Podcasting. Thank you, Rob. And Mark Happy Spiesen is our stalwart social media ringmaster. My hat off to Mark. Stay safe, stay informed, be the nurse and healthcare professional who does the right thing in the face of the COVID-19 pandemic. This is Nurse Keith saying adios till next time from beautiful and very chilly and snowy Santa Fe, New Mexico. Take care, and I will catch you on the flip side.